Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Luke, Luke chapter 2. If you need a Bible, please, 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 we have been, we've had, we have a Sunday school class who has been going through every pew to make sure that there are Bibles there. And so please, if you need a Bible, take that one with you that you find there, but open one, grab one, open it to the gospel of Luke. So in the New Testament, you're going to be in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading again, as we're doing in this Christmas season, the Christmas story. It's what, we've, what the world kind of fondly knows as the Christmas story. It's the birth narrative according to, according to Luke. And so as we read this, I want you to remember that last Sunday when we opened this on December the 1st, we opened talking about it begins with a ruler, Caesar Augustus. And that ruler is making a rule. And it helps us to start unveiling God's story. Because what we learned from that is, even though the world may have thought, well, this is all happening, the reason that everyone's going back to their hometowns because Caesar Augustus did this, we know that there was the ruler behind Caesar Augustus. There is the one true God who is orchestrating this whole thing. And so we talked about that God is the one true God, our God the one who is sending his son into the world. That is the ruler that is in charge. Well, this morning I want us to go from from all the world to one. From all the world to one. I want us to see as we continue in this story that we go from the grandest of stages, the palace room in Rome, the most city, the, the city that is most known in all the known world at that time, all the way down to a manger. We go from Caesar Augustus, the most known person in all the world, to Joseph, who probably would have said to us, I'm the least known person in all the world. Luke chapter 2, we're going to start reading in 1, we'll go through 7, in the succeeding weeks we'll continue and moving on through this story. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all, now note that, all were to be registered. All went to be registered, each to his own town. And, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. This story opens, I I marvel every time I read it. It opens in the palace room of throne, Caesar Augustus issuing a decree. And it winds up in the most backwoods, backwater, tiny little town of Bethlehem. Not even in a guest room, but in a stable. What a strange way to save the world. You may recognize 
those words, what a strange way to save the world. There's a song, and sometimes we hear it at, around this time of year. And, and it's, it's kind of, it's a song that it's from Joseph's perspective. And I just want you to listen to the first verse in the chorus of this song. I'm sure he must have been surprised at where this road had taken him because never in a million lives would he have dreamed of Bethlehem. And standing at the manger, he saw with his own eyes the message from the angel come to life. And Joseph said, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade. Why him with all the rulers in the world? Why here inside this stable filled with hay? Why her? She's just an ordinary girl. Now, I'm not one to second guess what angels have to say, but this is such a strange way to save the world. And boy, isn't it? But in these opening words of this story, and in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. And by verse 3, you see this beautiful literary transition that takes place. Look at it again. In that single sentence, it says, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And in that single sentence, we make a transition from the grandest of stages to this most known person in all the known world to a single individual. And verse 4 opens with, and Joseph. And I want us to see in that God's love for the one. God's love for the one. Folks, do you see how it opens in such a huge and all the world went to be registered? Caesar Augustus, the emperor of Rome, all the way down to this one. That shows us God's love For the one. God is orchestrating this whole thing. He's turning the heart of an emperor in order to take care of Joseph and Mary to get them from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The whole world would have viewed this as, oh, the reason that we're going to Bethlehem, the reason that we're each one of us are going to our own town is because of Caesar Augustus. It's not because of him. It is because of God and him taking care of Joseph. And Mary, God's love for the one. But friends, remember in this Christmas series, I've I've been calling it Unveiled. Because in it, we're showing how God is unveiling for us his huge story of all that God is doing in creation. And so whenever we see God's love for the one, when we see that it goes from all the world down to this one man, Joseph, isn't that what creation kind of looks like? In Genesis chapter 1, we open with the words, and God said, let there be light. And this explosion happens all over the entire universe. And the heavens are formed. And the galaxies are formed. And billions of stars are placed in the sky. And then billions of plants and trees and flowers are placed all over the earth. And then billions of animals and fishes and birds are all over. And before you get out of Genesis chapter 1, we go from the billions of things that are being created down to, and then God created 
a man and a woman. Because, folks, this isn't about the multitudes. This is about God creating one person who would be made in his image and God's desire for that one person to experience him, to know him, to love him, and to bring glory to him. And God's same desire for Adam. Adam, I want you to know me. I want you to experience me. I want you to live for my glory because, Adam, I love you. That same desire that God had for Adam is the same desire that God had for Joseph. Joseph, I made you, and I love you, and I want you to experience me. I want you to know me. I want you to love me. I want you to live for my glory. And it's the same thing that he desires for every single person who has ever been knitted together in his or her mother's womb. It's the same thing. It's God's love for the one. Friend, if you ever feel insignificant, if you ever feel like it doesn't matter what I do or who I am, I want you to remember the Christmas story and God's love for one. It goes from the grandest of stages all the way down to Joseph. You know what, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here to say that I don't think Caesar Augustus knew Joseph. We feel good about saying that? As a matter of fact, I would even go so far as to say I don't think Caesar Augustus knew Joseph existed. Nothing, I'm not judging Caesar's heart. I doubt if Caesar cared whether Joseph existed. And folks, do you realize that that, we're talking about a human being who the Rome Senate had voted for him. Oh, he's a God. He was a self-proclaimed God. And yet didn't know Joseph, didn't care to know Joseph, didn't know Joseph existed. Did you know you can't say that same thing about the God of all creation? The God of the universe. He did know Joseph He did care about Joseph. He knew Joseph existed. As a matter of fact, he is having an emperor do a census over the entire known world just so he can get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy about his son. God's love for the one. We see it in creation We see it in the gospel in the nutshell. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now don't miss this. That whosoever. Did you know that even in the Greek it's singular. For God so loved the whole world that one single person believes in him. That one single person will not perish but we'll have everlasting life. God's love for the one. And now I also want you to see in this story how God brings life through one. And so pick up again. A decree goes out from Caesar Augustus and then we come to verse four and Joseph. We go from Caesar Augustus to Joseph. 
And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is also called Bethlehem. Folks, why in the world is Luke being so specific that we would know that Joseph went up from Galilee, from the, and even more specifically, the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David. He's being specific to know that it's the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. And he went with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Why is Luke? And I understand that he's a doctor. He's a physician. And doctors can be really picky about stuff sometimes. Isn't that right? But we're a little bit happy about that, aren't we? Don't we want them to be kind of specific about certain things? If the doctor were to say, how are you doing? Uh, not too great. Okay, well, let's go with that. Well, no, let's not go. I mean, let's get specific here. What is it exactly that's hurting? What are, where are you? Luke is getting very specific here. But I think it's far more than he's a physician. I think there's something else going on here. God is unveiling for us this whole story. Because you see, it starts with Caesar Augustus, the government of Rome, issuing a decree. But we're not going to be saved by a decree. Salvation is not going to come through a government. Salvation is not going to come through a corporation. It's not going to come through an organization. Salvation is going to come through a person. And so God starts bringing life to us. He starts showing us how life is going to come through one person. And so he introduces Joseph into the story. And so we need Joseph in the story. And here's why. Turn in your Bible. Go over one chapter to Luke 3. Remember, always keep your Bibles open during the whole sermon. We'll always reference it. Go to Luke chapter 3, verse 23. Luke 3, verse 23. And you're going to read there that the Bible says, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son as was supposed of Joseph. Now, what's so interesting about that, the reason Luke says the son of, as was supposed, Joseph, is because the genealogy that's right here in Luke chapter 3 is the genealogy of Mary. That's Mary's genealogy. What you find in Matthew chapter 1 is Joseph's genealogy. Well, you see, Jesus needs Joseph. There's a reason why God had Joseph because Joseph is in the line of David and the legal representation of Joseph is what Jesus needs here. You see, there are two different genealogies. One of them represents the legal line to the throne. Mary represents the bloodline to the throne. And so in Luke chapter 3, you have, as was supposed, of Joseph. But folks, it's, it's not just Joseph. I want you to look at the end of the genealogy in Luke 3. It goes from Luke 3.23 to Luke 3.38. Listen to the end of it. The son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. 
Well, friends, what that means is it's, it's not only got to be a person that saves us. Hebrews chapter 10 says the blood of bulls and goats only reminds us annually of our sin because the blood of animals will never take away our sin. It has to be a person that takes our place, but it has to be a person that goes all the way back to Adam. Just like all of us. We all go back to the first person. Adam represented the natural man. He represents every single one of us. We all are natural people. We were all formed by God. God breathes, breathes into us the breath of life. But there has to be one who's more than Adam. There has to be a spiritual Adam. Adam was the first of us, but there has to be then and Adam, that's the, the first of this spiritual, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we need Joseph. It's a legal line through David that goes all the way back to Adam. But then the scripture says in Luke 2, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from Nazareth. Okay, folks, I, in studying for this sermon, I tried to think of a place that we could equate with Nazareth I couldn't come up with one and it's because we would have to think of a town that would just be despised I mean no one cares about it no one even wants to go there that was Nazareth there's a reason why in John chapter 1 whenever Philip says was it Philip uh oh that says, hey, we found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Folks, he wasn't making a joke. That wasn't where everyone stood around and chuckled. Nathaniel was being serious. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And here's why. For the Jewish people, Nazareth was the base. You remember at the beginning of the service, I talked about Katie was stationed at Fort Devens in Massachusetts. And then Shannon, he gets stationed at Fort Devens in Massachusetts, and that's where they met. Okay, Nazareth was the, the, the town where the Roman army was stationed. That was the garrison post. That's in North Galilee. They, that's where they were stationed. The Jews hated Nazareth. And yet Luke is specific to say, and he came from Galilee, from Nazareth. Well, if you, if you go to Matthew chapter 2, it's, Matthew records that Joseph then took the family and they went and lived in Nazareth because the prophets said he shall be called a Nazarene. Now, if you go to the Old Testament and you start looking for the specific prophet who said he shall be a Nazarene, you're not going to find that specific phrase. What you are going to find is that prophet after prophet were foretelling that the Messiah would be despised and rejected just like the people from Nazareth. And so God starts showing us who this Messiah is going to be. It's got to be a person. 
It's got to go all the way back to Adam because through Adam, sin entered into this world. Sin and death entered through Adam. So now there has to be one that life is going to come through this one. It's got to be a person. It's going to be someone who's despised and rejected. So Luke tells us this is coming from Nazareth. But then in the oddest of scenarios... It goes from a hated and rejected Nazareth of Galilee and Joseph goes to Judea. Which means this Messiah has got to be a Jew because that's God's chosen people. Which takes us all the way back to Genesis chapter 11 where God says to Abram, Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation and through you there will be a blessing to all peoples. And so it's got to be despised, someone who's despised and rejected, but who's also a Jew. And not just any Jew. It's got to be a Jew who's in the line of David. And Jesus meets that twofold. In Joseph's genealogy, there's a legal representation to David. In Mary's genealogy, there is a blood line back to David. So twofold, he meets the requirements. Micah 5, verse 2, and out of you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, out of you, the least of the clans, shall come the one. And so Joseph has got to be from Galilee, from Nazareth. He's got to get to Judea, to the city of David, which is called, to Bethlehem, which is called the city of David. That's, that's where he's got to get But hang on, because there's a whole other part to this. The Messiah has to be a person, despised and rejected, has to be a Jew, has to be born in Bethlehem, has to be of the line of David. But there's someone else that's being introduced in this story besides Joseph. And it says, and he went to be registered with Mary. And don't miss the next words. His betrothed who was with child. Folks, every single word in this story is there for a reason. And Joseph also went up with Mary. And for for the early readers of this, folks, listen, it's still shocking for us today to hear that he was born of a virgin. But can you imagine the people back then? And Joseph also went up with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Wait a minute. They're not married, you mean? They're not married. Now, in in Jewish society, engaged meant a whole lot more than it does now. Engaged, I mean, it, it was, everything was married except they had not consummated the marriage. Everything, I mean, in order for an engagement to be broken, it was, it was a divorce that had to be done. Everything had taken place except consummating the marriage. And so the early readers of this story are reading, and he went up to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Well, that's odd. What a strange way to save the world. Because, folks, in our society today, please hear me. 
in our society today, for us to talk about premarital sex, most of the world says, well, I, I just assumed. I mean, I, I try to tell young people, high school students, college students, I try to tell them, you really want to be individualistic? You really want to stand out in a crowd? Don't have sex before you get married. I'm telling you, that will be a huge difference to, to people. Okay, now listen. But in that day, premarital sex was not really heard of. And so here you have a woman who is engaged, but she's with child. Joseph is important to this story. But boy, we've got to have Mary. And not just for the bloodline that leads back through David. But Jesus has got to be born of a virgin. Friends, you've got a problem here because the one that God is sending, the life that he is going to bring into the world has got to be a person, has got to be born into this world, but can't be born like you and me. Can't be conceived like you and me. Because if he is born of a man and a woman, well, then he inherits the whole sinful nature. He inherits the whole curse of sin. And that can't then be a perfect sacrifice. And so the virgin birth is absolutely essential. To be born of a virgin protects Christ's deity. Because he's not born of a man and a woman. He is born of a woman who has never known a man, which therefore explains why the Bible says the Holy Spirit shall come upon her and she will conceive of the Holy Spirit of God. That what is born in her is literally the Son of God. She has to be born of a virgin. It not only protects his deity, it protects his humanity. Because again, if he's not born of a virgin, if he's not born into this world, well then there's no way that he could experience everything that we've experienced. The scripture tells us that we have a high priest who has gone through every single experience we've ever gone through. We have one who stands in our place, who stands between us and God, who can go through every weakness, every tribulation, every trial. He's been tempted in every way that we have, yet without sin. Has to be born of a virgin. Folks, only by being born of a virgin can Jesus be a perfect sacrifice. We need, we have to have a perfect sacrifice. If Jesus is born of a man and a woman, well, then he inherits the same sin curse. He has the same sinful nature. He's going to sin, and therefore, he's got to be accountable for his own sin. He can't take my place if he has sin that he's got to be accountable for. It has to be someone who is perfect, who lived a perfect life. It's the only one who can take my place. But he has to be born of a virgin because it also has to be an eternal sacrifice. The blood of bull and, bulls and animals 
annually. They had to redo it over and over and over again. But when Jesus, the perfect eternal sacrifice, the Son of God, God incarnate, taking our place, when that happened, it is an eternal sacrifice. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you believe that he is the only one who can save you, he's the only one who can forgive you of your sins, it is an eternal salvation. And so God shows us how he's going to bring life into this world. Joseph and Mary. Both of them absolutely crucial to the story. And then here's the last thing. He starts shedding light for us on salvation. And where the Holy Spirit just really showed me this is in those simple little words, he went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. Can you imagine what that meant to Mary? Because here she is carrying a baby in her womb and it doesn't belong to Joseph. And so Joseph had made plans when he found out that Mary was expecting and he knew it wasn't his. He started making plans to put her away privately but he had to divorce the engagement but an angel appeared to him in a dream and said Joseph don't be afraid for what is conceived in her is from God and she's going to give birth to a baby and you're going to call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins and Joseph believed. Joseph believed. And God is shining light on what salvation is all about. Mary asked the question, how can this be? For I am a virgin. And the angel says, Mary, with God all things are possible. And Mary believed. And the Christ that came into her was through faith. Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. And Christ came in. And so friends, that's the light that God is giving you about salvation. He loves you. In the midst of seven billion people in this world, in the midst of thinking no one knows about me, no one cares about me, God sees you and he cares about you. And he cares so much about you that he brought life into this world through one who was uniquely born who would be born of a virgin, live a perfect life, die on the cross for our sins, be buried, raised from the dead, 
ascend back to the Father and he's coming back someday. He did that because God loves you. And this morning, his invitation to you is whosoever, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And friends, it can happen this morning. Life can come into your heart this morning. The light of God can come in. You can pass from condemnation into life this morning. From all the world to one. Joseph and Mary had a responsibility with this one named Jesus. And so do you and I. What were they going to do? What were they going to do with Jesus? They were responsible for him. And folks, someday you and I will stand before God and we were responsible for him. What are we going to do? What will you do? Would you trust him as your savior? Be saved today. We have folks that will talk with you right now. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, in this invitation, I pray for your will to be done in every heart. Lord, I pray that someone would put aside pride or what other people are thinking. Lord, I pray that this would be the day that someone begins a lifetime of following you. Lord, I pray for recommitted lives. Lord, I pray that there would be someone today. Lord, I know I'm saved, but I need to recommit my heart to you. Lord, I pray that you would add to us and call out from this fellowship, Lord. Call us, Lord, and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me during this time of invitation? We are here to receive you. Please know that. We invite you to come. Respond to the calling of Christ on you. If you need to come and pray, come and pray. However the Lord leads, you come.